Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Let's talk about sex, guys. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in a chewable form and tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready when the opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of the licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Plus, Blue Chew's tablets are made in the U.S. and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. Does it work? Don't think you need it? Try it for a month and see, but you're going to love it. They always say first impressions are important. What about lasting impressions? Blue Chew wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options at BlueChew.com. Chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code BUCKET. B-U-C-K-E-T at checkout and just pay $5 in shipping. That's BlueChew.com promo code bucket to receive your first months free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we want to thank BlueChew for sponsoring the podcast. Good evening, Razorback fans. Welcome to the one, the only Hog Talk podcast, live for the Sterling Soap and Roastery Studios, part of the Believe and Buzz Radio Networks, where you can hear us on all podcast platforms, as well as Buzz to 106.7 in Central Arkansas. So please like, review our podcast. All live shows are presented to you by Arkansas Brewing Company in downtown Ozark, as well as Bet Online, which remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action in 2023 from football, basketball, hockey. Boxing and UFC, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. And we go to the Metters Lumber Hotline, bring in, I call him Mr. Hogs by 90. I, I don't, I mean, I officially, unofficially, uh, John Neighbors from Locked On Razorbacks from the Buzz, out of bounds. Uh, thank you for coming on. Yeah, no problem. It's good to be on with you. I, I see the reason why I say that is I see so many people say hogs by 90 and you've you got to give credit where credit's due. And you're the one that's really kind of coined that phrase, started it. And I don't know if you've got a patent on it yet or copyrighted, but I, I think uh, I, I think you should get you should get on that. Yeah, I know. I've thought about it. The only thing about it is that uh, apparently the University of Arkansas has the whole trademark of the word hogs. Got to get to find a way to get around that. But no, it's like it's funny how I I did not invent it. I'm not going to sit here and pretend I did. Uh, I just like saying it. I think it's unique and funny, and uh, I just you know keep saying because I guess you know it's kind of stuck for some people. So uh, it works out, and it you know it's just some new fun little thing that people can say instead of the the usual stuff that they say when it comes to Arkansas. Yeah, and when we last talked to you, you had just started the transition into the buzz from. ESPN Arkansas just I mean catch us up I mean how's that been being a kid from Little Rock being a avid Razorback fan how cool is it to be a part of the biggest network and be able to talk sports 
back in your home turf. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny because it's amazing. It's been three and a half years since that's happened. It doesn't seem like it's been that long. And honestly, the longest uh, radio show I'd ever done before at this point was about two years, less than two years. So to see how how far it's come and how great it's going is is awesome. And you know, as as a kid from Fayetteville, where you know that was my hometown, and I feel like with with watching the Razorbacks and growing up there, I always knew that. Uh, when getting into sports talk radio, especially in the state of Arkansas, there's a very limited amount of options as far as going and having a career at it. But the one of three, seven, the buzz is the biggest and best one. So to, to be able to do that and, and to, to do a podcast on the side too, and walk on Razorbacks, I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a very much of a blessing. Like I'm a very lucky guy and I'm very fortunate to be able to do what I do and uh, continue to try to build upon, you know, just talking about the Razorbacks and having fun with it. Cause it's a, it's a dream come, come true, and it's just really getting started. So I hope it continues on. And, of course, passing on the cake, getting to talk. I, I know that, you know, getting to do that's kind of be one of the just uh, – you talk about the top tier of what you want to do, bucket list items as a radio host or as a media personality. I mean, how, how cool was it to be able to talk with Paul, just kind of interview him and just be in his – I wouldn't say presence, but it's just the fact like – you know, how hard did it take to get the fan hat off and, and really, really sit there and be like, I'm talking to Paul Feinbaum? <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's honestly something to where I don't I don't really want to take the fan hat off because my idea of it all is that, you know, if I get asked to go on a show like Feinbaum or whatever, it's not because of what they think I am. It's because of who I am and what I'm doing. And so. If they if I went on there and they're like, wait a minute, this is you know this is weird. It's not what you expected. I'm like, well, that's a you problem because that's how yeah. I am. Like I'm that way on my social media. I'm that way on my podcast. I'm that way on my radio show. So uh, I don't like I don't like taking the fan hat off because people know that that's who I am and that's what I do. And I, I'm not going to change that for anybody. And so I'm hoping uh, to go on to actually the set of Fine Bomb next week at SEC Media Days. Uh, kind of got that invitation, so I'll actually be, be awesome. there in person, which will be quite something so we'll, we'll see if that actually transpires and that actually happens but if it does i'm gonna be the same way i'm gonna uh, be an over-the-top personality that you know i don't consider myself a radio show host or a podcast host i'm more of a bs artist and so i'll just try to put it together and make it work well let, you know let's talk about that for a second you know used to it's straight media straight laced you know un, you know you got to be unbiased how how cool is it that you get to be Bias. You get to be a fan and still be on the radio. I mean, do you think that's – this is just off the top of my head right now. You know, when you're talking to fans, we've always been taught you got to be unbiased and you're talking to them from a media aspect. But you get to talk to the fans as a fan, and how do you think – how far do you think that's come? And you look at your – you know, our guy Ty Richardson and being what he's done at ESPN Arkansas, another one of those guys that he loves being a fan – I mean, how cool is it that you don't have to sit there and kind of not take the fan hat off? You get to sit in front of the mic and be on the radio and, and do your podcast and be exactly who you are on every aspect of what you do. Well, I think that it's there, there's a niche audience for that. You know, if people want unbiased and uh, objective stuff, then they can find that too. But I don't see there being any shame in being a fan because we're all fans of something. And to me, it makes a lot more sense that if you have a passion for something and you have a passion for, in this particular case, the, the Razorback sports teams and just the state of Arkansas in general, why would I want to pretend 
or try to erase that from something that I've grown up with. Yeah. I don't want to. I, like, that's just how I am. You know, if some may say, oh, you know, I think people have considered it to be, oh, you're a mouthpiece for the fans because you say what the fans are thinking in a way that uh, can have a, a big platform. And maybe there's some truth to that. But to me, for, for what I do, at least, the main thing that everybody can see is if you're genuine or not. Like, they can understand if you're being real, if you're being completely and totally honest about things because people are smart. They understand social cues and social skills. And so if I was to try and be somebody that I'm not, then I wouldn't be very good at it. I, I would be very disingenuous and I'm not really going to try to ever do that. So I think that there's some sort of like happy medium that you can have. Cause I've always said that um, if you want to call me biased or if you want to say I'm a fan, that's true, but I'm not a biased or fan to a coach or to an AD or to a person and I'm to the school. So when yeah. the school is suffering because of terrible coaching, I'm going to talk about how terrible it is. And, but if it's great, I'm talking about how great it is. And if there's reasons to have, be, have hope, then I'll say that. But if there's reasons to be doubting, then I'll say that too. So it's just a matter of knowing that who your fans are and what they want to hear, but also, you know, being completely honest about it and giving your honest take and opinion and maybe approaching things in a different light that, People haven't thought about. So it's just being being genuine, I think, is the most important thing when it comes to that. And we're talking about the ups and downs. You know, talking season starts next week, SEC media days, and then going into this football season, we, we kind of chopped it up before um, coming on air. And, and the expectations of this year's football team and, and going into SEC media days, we know it's, you know, just a bunch of coach speak, you know, just getting to know, you know, of course, from last year. But – do you think that with the expectations of this team versus the reality of what they're replacing on both sides of the ball, and we're unsure with the wide receiver core, of course we got the names, but we don't know you know, exactly what they can do produ production-wise. Same thing on the defense. Do you think there is some, any unfair expectations when people throw out 9-10 win season, one, when historically they've not done 9 or 10 wins very often, but just of what they're replacing in – not only on the player side, the coaching staff. No, I don't. I mean, I don't think it's unfair because I think if you can back it up with some sort of logic and it be realistic, then I think it makes sense. Because here's the thing: there's going to be people out there that are probably going to pick Arkansas at SEC Media Days next. I, I would predict that they're probably going to be picked fifth. You know, maybe maybe best case scenario. Uh, you know, maybe fourth, something like that. But either way. People are not going to be very high on the Razorbacks for, for whatever reason. But if you're a Razorback fan and, and you look at it in depth, like you know the Razorbacks more than what most of the SEC experts do. Like Most of these people are, have to have 14 teams that they look at and they have to go through and, and acknowledge them and, and see where they have, where they have, with all that thing. But if you're a fan, if you follow the team, and if you cover the team and you talk about the team and you study the team, that's the only team you do it, you're going to have an, more of an idea, I feel like, of just what the ceiling is for that particular team. And so I believe that if you take it into consideration and look at, say, uh, with K.J. Jefferson coming back and Rocket Sanders and knowing that Enos is a guy who's, as an offensive coordinator, has been very experienced in this league and the defense where the secondary was dead last last year. Like, it's only going to get better. You've added some transfers. And I know people keep talking about the schedule, and it is difficult. I'm not trying to say it's not, especially that mid-of-the-season stretch where you don't play in Fayetteville for – like five straight weeks. I get that. But besides Alabama and maybe LSU on the road, what team actually are you scared of? Exactly. I'm not saying Arkansas is going to lose or win all those games and go 10 and two. I'm not saying that, but 
I don't see a single team where if you said Arkansas is going to beat A&M this year, am I going to be shocked by that? No. Or Mississippi State? No. Or Auburn? No. Or Ole Miss? No. Florida on the road? No. I'm not going to be surprised by that. So I think it's fair and it's safe to say that, yes, it can be to that level and to that point to where, yeah, nine and three is realistic. I, I don't think that it's something I'm going to probably predict just because knowing how the SEC can get brutal and never know with injuries, but if, if everything goes right for Arkansas, if they really put it all together, I don't see any reason why they can't go 9-3 and three this year. Do you think it helps Arkansas, and, and this is just based off of history and how Arkansas has played against this team opposed to how Arkansas has played against A&M, do you think that there is any advantages of the LSU game being before the A&M game? I always look at that. The Arkansas has always played Texas A&M, that first SEC game, and they just have a black cloud over that game opposed to – just like the Missouri game. Do, do you think with how competitive Arkansas has been against LSU, one of those games that you know you're going to get the best out of Arkansas, win or lose, do you think there's any caveats to them flipping that LSU and that Texas A&M game? I mean, I, I don't think so. You know, because I, I was going to – let's be honest. If, if Arkansas was playing LSU at the end of the year on the road or in the beginning of the year – I'm probably still going to predict them to lose just because it's, you know, it's LSU. They're really good. Arkansas probably should have beaten them last year. And again, I'm not saying that they're for sure going to lose and that if they don't, then everyone's going to come and attack me and says, Oh, you said you're going to lose. It's just what I would predict. And I think it doesn't matter whether it's in the end of the season or beginning of the season, that's the way it's going to be, but it would be kind of a nice little thing to have where you, you start those first three games and, and say, if you win those three games and then you go down to LSU that's like a very early measuring stick to see where you are as a team where if you even lost, but gave them all that they wanted, people are going to feel really good about, Hey, well, they just, they just barely lost and did a really good job down in Baton Rouge in early September. Like this could really get going. And, but imagine if they won, like the amount of crazy expectations get thrown through and feeling like, Hey, we can go in and beat A&M if that's the case. So I don't really feel like it's any big deal or big difference. Just, it's more about having that early measuring stick where you really haven't had – actually, if I think about it, you know, last year you had Cincinnati and South Carolina in like your first two games. Yeah. And then before that you had A&M and even a, a Georgia team that was pretty early in the season. So it seems like every year you have a, a very early big-time game. I think first year of Sam Pittman, Georgia, you know, at home, 2020. So point is, is that they're used to having those big tests very early in the year and for the most part, they've done pretty well. They didn't always win them, but they've done pretty well. So I don't think that'll be anything different this year. Yeah, other than that Georgia game where I, I think I, I sat down at Chili's, went to wash my hands, come back, and it was like 21 nothing already. Yeah. Other than that game, I mean, but, you know, you're talking about the schedule. And I, I know along with everybody else, you know, you look at next year's schedule and just the amount of grace that was showed to Arkansas. And I'm sure to you, you know, as a fan, you're like, man, finally – Arkansas is catching a break. Arkansas, you look at the away games are more manageable than the home games and how that could bode for, especially breaking in, we don't know who's going to be the quarterback next year. I think that is huge when it comes to the new SEC layout and the fact that Greg Sankey actually showed Sam Pittman some grace for a change. Yeah, I wanted to say that maybe that was making up for the 2020 additions that they gave him with Georgia and Florida. Like, there had to be some reason, but no, I, I feel like that might be the best schedule. Like again, if you don't really know, like you said, who the quarterback's going to be, you don't know what the team's going to look like. So there's a lot of uncertainty, but if you just think about, like, I can't think of a time where Arkansas had a better 
home schedule than that. Uh, I know they got to go to Oklahoma State in the non-conference, but you're talking about four I, ideal big-time marquee matchups all in Fayetteville. And then your road games, your true road games, are against three teams that aren't exactly like you know barn burners. Like you know, you could be Missouri, you should, you know, you could be Mississippi State, you could be Auburn. And then the other game is a neutral side game in Dallas. So I cannot imagine a better schedule, all things considered, than what Arkansas is going to have in the SEC in 2024. Now they got to, of course, perform and win. But as far as games to look forward to, games to travel to, games to uh, make sure you get season tickets for at home. Uh, every every one of those games are going to be tailgates. And honestly, my favorite thing about it is I don't see any of those SEC games being an 11 a.m. kick because yeah. they're, they're going to make sure that those, uh, unless it's Ole Miss, which they've done before, but I think at least three of them are all going to be afternoon or night games in Fayetteville. And you looking at that Missouri game, like what is Ben, uh, of course we can look at depth, but just what is Ben that, just that one thing that just keeps them from losing, you know, winning that game, I, sh- I should say, you know, it's, that's that frustrating game where you know you're always better than them. You know it. And and I know we can't speak on it because Missouri's beat Arkansas almost every year since they've started playing other than one. But what do you think if they finally kick it in gear and they finally get a couple of – of course, I'm getting both sides of your take on this. You know, how refreshing is that going to be when they finally get a handle on Missouri and just, just kind of swat that fly back up to Columbia? I mean, yeah, it's it reminds me almost of how I'm sure LSU fans felt about Arkansas at the end of the year where Arkansas would keep winning that game, even though LSU was the better team more often than not in the better program. They Arkansas would get up for that game a lot more than LSU, and I feel like that's kind of how it is for Missouri. And I know people bring it up, and I'm not making excuses because you know Missouri has won most of the games, and it's been extremely frustrating. But it's like this is also the span, and most of the times that they've done that has been in Arkansas's worst seasons. Like the two times that Arkansas has beaten Missouri since they've joined the SEC was in 2015 and 2021. And both of those games, if you remember, both those seasons, if you remember, those were Arkansas's best seasons that they've had since the Petrino era. They went five and three in the SEC in 2015. And then 2021, they won nine games. So it's like, I think that's more of the correlation is that, you know, you haven't had the far and away better team. Now, I still think Arkansas was a better team last year. I think Arkansas has been a better team more often than not against Missouri. But just being able to beat them when you put it all together, that it, it's just more of a satisfying feeling because they feel like the, the little brother that just keeps pestering you. And people get mad at me for this. And people, you know, Missouri fans are just like, oh, well, look at the record in the series. I'm like, there's no doubt. You guys have won. But just remember this, and this is how I want to sum it all up. Arkansas, when they went 6-6 six and six last year and they ended on the loss against Missouri, the fans were infuriated. They were upset. They wanted heads to roll. They were frustrated. They wanted change. They were saying this is totally and completely unacceptable. When Missouri went 6-6 six and six last year by beating Arkansas, their coach lit up a cigar in the press conference and was acting like they he, he just beat Bama like what Tennessee did. And I'm yeah. like, if you want to know what the program's expectations are, that's exactly what you need to think about. Your coach is lighting up cigars and celebrating going 6-6 six and six. Arkansas is wanting blood when they go six and six. So Arkansas has got to start winning that game more because they are far and away a better football program than Missouri. They're a better athletic program than Missouri, and they don't need to lose to them in any major sport at any consistent level. That has to change. Biggest key, uh, when when I I posted this on Facebook, and we'll we'll end the football topic with this, uh, 2023 will determine what for Arkansas football. 
I think 2023 will determine Sam Pittman's future with Arkansas football. Uh, and I'm not saying he's on the hot seat right now and that if he has uh, you know, a bad year, he'll be fired. I think, though, that in year four, you can't do – you have to – first off, you have to have a winning record. Like, I have to. That's, that's not even a question. If he goes five and seven this year, then there's probably going to have to be changes made. You can't go from nine and four to seven and six to five and seven and keep your job. You just can't do it. So he has to do that. But if you can just go out there and build upon what you did last year, there's no doubt you should have been a nine and three year at least, at least. But this is a new season. You got new coordinators. You got new strength and conditioning coach. You got a new culture. You got a new vibe. You got a lot of new players. With all of that, you should be a better team this year than what you were last year. You should go out there and perform better than what you did last year. And you should be more consistent than what you were last year. So to me, this is going to be a key factor because if Arkansas says jumps to that nine and three record that we talked about, if they do that, then Sam Pittman's here for a good bit. And there's reasons to believe that everything's great about him and what he's doing. You know, if he goes eight and four, still reasons to be excited. They're seven and five. It's like, okay, it's pretty good. At least you got a little bit better than what you were last year. But other than that, anything other than that, it's going to start really making people sweat it out and start wondering if this is the real thing. So I think this year is important just to know the future of Sam Pittman, not saying he'll get fired after this year, but to know the trajectory that he's going through. Because in 2024, there's going to be a lot of pieces that need to get replaced, your quarterback being one of them in KJ Jefferson. Yeah, and I've said just how important, I mean, how important this year, not only the new SEC, but you got two more teams coming into the league, and that's two more teams you got to recruit against. And that's, you know, Josh says, what record will be the hot seat? A five and seven would put him on the hot seat. I And, and I know bowl, and we got to look at bowl games differently now because of, you know, people sitting out. I mean, I look at six and six or five and whatever. I don't count the bowl game unless you go to a big time bowl game or you go to the CFP. But to say you're six and six and then you go to the Liberty Bowl. I mean, I still think in, in today's world, that's you can't, I mean, even go six and six this year, in my opinion, and you would still, you've got to show some kind of progression. You've got to show that, okay, that nine win season was not a fluke. You drop down. And then if you, so I know five and seven is a stretch, but I even think six and six would start warming up the seat. Not like you said, not getting fired, but you've got to start to think because one, your team's not going to get any better because you're not going to have a proven quarterback. Unless you go out and get a world-beater quarterback in the portal, you don't know what 24 – so this, to me, when I say determined, this is probably the most important year under Sam Pittman. But I mean going further than that. This is the most important season in 10 years for Arkansas football because if you're looking at possibly having to put, change your coach next year, now you're starting to go back down – as a football program, and we know how long it to get your team back in order after replacing a coach. This could be the most important season of a very long time for Arkansas football. Yeah, I could see it that way. I think that, you know, because if you look at it from five, like say if they went five and seven, like look at that in the realistic terms. You're talking about if they won all four of their non-conference games and won one SEC game. That's mm -hmm. five and seven. Yeah, That ain't cutting it. Um, even six and six, you win all four conference games and you go – two and six in SEC play, that ain't cutting it because Arkansas should win every game in non-conference this year. This is the easiest non-conference schedule they've had in forever, it feels like. So you're talking about four wins. That should be four automatic wins. And if you can only get two more than that in, in conference play, like that would be the least amount of wins Sam Pittman has had in the SEC since being coach. He won three in 2020. 
you know, should have been four if that Auburn game would have gone the way it should have. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like he went four and four, uh, you know, uh, just uh, two years ago. And then last year he went three and five. So I just have a hard time believing that this year with this SEC schedule that Sam Pittman is going to have the least amount of his SEC wins ever in his career. Like I, with KJ Jefferson, the best quarterback in the SEC, that's just not going to happen. I don't see it happening. And that's why I'm feeling so confident. You get four automatic wins should be when it comes to non-conference. You should be able to win at least three SEC games when you have the best quarterback in the SEC at KJ Jefferson. You should be able to win at least that. All they're lacking is somebody for him to be able to throw to like Trey Lundberg. Somebody not saying you got to be a first-run draft pick. Somebody that he can have confidence in knowing on a third down, this guy's going to get me my first down. Knowing that he can throw it up to this guy and he's going to catch, make that 50-50 ball. If, if we know where the running game is. We know their O-line. That wide receiving core is the biggest question. If he just finds one of those guys that can be his guy, I, I see that they could be a very dangerous team when it comes to offense because now you've got respect coming from the other team. you got to respect them as a passing team and a running team. You can't just sit back there and know that KG Jefferson is going to run it 10, 15 times a game. Rocket Sanders is going to run it 10, 15 times a game. Yeah, but here's my thing, and I kind of started thinking about it with uh, the way that Kendall Browse ran his offense. It was kind of like you had that one big-bodied wide receiver that was your go-to person, and then you had a, a one or maybe two after that that would kind of just supplement. And Traylon Burks, Arkansas was very fortunate and lucky to have a guy like him. But even last year, it's like Matt Landers was the guy. Jaden Hazelwood had a pretty good year, but Matt Landers was your was your target, number one. But the one thing that I think that Danny Enos is going to be able to provide, because he did this in 2015 and with really getting Arkansas's offense going with Brandon Allen, is if you remember that year, that wasn't just one wide receiver. Like Brandon Allen threw for over 3,000 yards that season. Could you could people even name who like the leading wide receiver was on that team or that this one guy just had that great of a year? It wasn't one guy. You had a Keon Hatcher. Um, actually, I think he may have gotten hurt that year. That was yeah, that was a year he got hurt. And so you had a guy like Dominic Reed. You had a Drew Morgan. Uh, I think Jared Cornelius stepped up a little bit. Of course, you had Hunter Henry at the tight end position. But my point is, is that you didn't just have one go to guy. You had a lot of guys that were able you were able to spread the ball around. And I think that that's what's going to be provided for Dan Enos is. Yeah, you don't have a Traylon Burks. Maybe you don't have a Matt Landers. You still got a lot of really good wide receivers that they got out of the portal, some big-bodied guys, and I think they're going to spread it around. You got tight ends now, it seems yeah, like. You, know, you, got, exactly. you, you, got, you got to have that. So just knowing that the targets, you, you're going to be able to spread it around a little bit more, and I think the offense is going to be helpful because of that, and I think KJ, it's really going to help him out with that too. I'm fine with not having a Traylon Burks or a Matt Landers as long as you have different guys to go through targets and be able to confuse the defense because that's the one thing that I think every defense knew when Arkansas when they played Arkansas I was like hey this was their one guy you got to shut him down it was tough but you have to do it I think it's really going to mix it up and be better for the offense overall because there are going to be a lot more targets and it's crazy in in this spread offense era how much we don't even think how mad they're missing a tight end and how much that can really do for their offense. But you look at Arkansas's offense with Henry, you know, look at DJ Williams, look what has happened to that offense. When you've had a guy that you can get over the middle that can block. And because of Trey, Trey Knox could have blocked, he would have got more touches. He would have got more touchdowns, but he just could not block. And that's not all his fault because you're transitioning who was at one time, a number one wide receiver, to come in and he accepted his role. I mean, good kudos to him for trying. But what we'll do now is we'll switch over to the basketball. And I'll tell you what, man, I expected some good things out of the Arkansas three that got drafted. 
But, man, I'm, I'm telling you what, Anthony Black just looks like and, – and all of them. I think Jordan Walsh as well. Nick Smith Jr., he, he's starting to come on a little bit, but it just seems like that injury still holding him back a little bit. But what has impressed you the most about these guys in summer league and especially Anthony Black? Because, again, looks like he's just a totally different player out there playing for the Orlando Magic and really making the most out of his time out there in summer league. Yeah, I, I think it's it's always tough because of the summer league and knowing that there's you know how what can you really take away from one game and then the next game and you know like Jordan Walsh had one phenomenal game but then the next game he kind of struggled a little bit and so it's always tough to know exactly what to expect but I will say though that there's a reason why these guys were drafted at, in the NBA draft you know there's a reason why Anthony Black was as high drafted as he was number six overall is it because of his game of course it is but like. The experts and the scouts, the people in the NBA that know a lot more than me or you or anybody else here in Arkansas, they're not surprised by this because they're like, hey, we see it. We see what he's able to do. We see what he's capable of. And so I don't think it's a surprise. You, that's what you want to see after out of your lottery picks that you have. Uh, you want to see Anthony Black because, again, he's a six, seven point guard. Like That just doesn't exist. And so he has a game that's really tough to defend against. And I think now that he's gotten healthy, too, because he was dealing with injury towards the end of the year, I think that's helped him. Uh, Walsh is, is kind of the same thing. There's a reason why these guys were five stars there. There's just a lot of potential there. Uh, so I, I'm not surprised by it. I think it's great for Arkansas. It's great for the kids and it's great for recruiting. It's great for Mus. Just continue to show, Hey, you come here for even one year. This is the results you're going to get. Or if you're a transfer, Hey, if you come here, we're going to get you into the next level and get you into the league. Like there's just a lot of different positives you can take away from it. Whether you're a player, whether you're a coach or just whether you're Arkansas in general, it's been awesome. Yeah. And, and plus, you know, Musselman being able to, you know, get his name out there. And I think he's got a season pass to the summer league because it seems like every game an Arkansas player is playing, but that does nothing but good for the brand. And I know outside looking in, there's a lot of people who think it's brash. They think it's arrogance and making about him, but man, he, to me, and I know this is a cliche saying, but you know, he's playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers. He is putting his name out there as much as possible. It doesn't matter if it's a Padres baseball game or whatever. You see Arkansas. So some kid that might have never even thought about coming to Arkansas. Oh, I know that guy. Then you start deep diving into his record and where all he's been in the NBA. Then you see what he's producing. Even if you get one kid a year like that, there's a five-star, four-star, five-star kid a year that you're getting that back in you know four or five years ago, you had no chance getting. Yeah. I mean, I think Musselman now has had six players drafted since he's been head coach. And if you think about I, I think that if you went back before Mus arrived, it would take you until like 98 to get to six total players, something like that. I, I mean, there's no doubt that the program that Arkansas and the, the level that they're at right now is as high as it's been since, since 94, 95. Um, I, I think that even in the late nineties, this program's higher than what it was then. I mean, you must have gone eight and three in NCAA tournament games. You can't like eight and three in three yeah. years. Like nobody has done that. So it's, it's just incredible to see the, the good fortune, the good stuff that's coming with Arkansas and whether it's a transfer portal, whether it's the NBA drafts, like whatever it is, everyone's taking notice. Everyone's paying attention. And Arkansas is the place to be right now. I know that people, would uh, you know argue about what's the best program in the SEC in basketball? I don't think Kentucky's that anymore. Like right now, just currently, historically for sure. But right now, you know they got a 
put it together and get somewhere in the NCAA tournament a little bit further than what they have. And Bama's gone to the Sweet 16, but that's it. So, but I'm looking at it from just the overall drafting, the drafts, the the recruiting, the transfer portal, the vibes, everything about the program for Arkansas. I don't see that there's any program right now that's better than what they're providing in the SEC. And what would that mean if football finally, you know, when you're trying to put, you know, your, your spokes and in, in your chain comes off your bike and you're trying to get it back going and you just keep spinning and it'll spin a little bit, you know, what would that mean for football to finally get it going and for the whole grand scheme? Because we know, you know, I was talking to Zach Hall last night about just we know football's king. What would it mean if, you know, Arkansas year in, year out, become an 8-9 win every now and then a 10-11 win? What would that do for the whole season, the whole calendar year for Razorback fandom? I mean, it would do what it's supposed to do and what it's been – Razorback fans have been clamoring for and trying to explain to people for so many years is that you can win at every sport in Arkansas. Like, there's not a sport – to where you just don't have it or where you don't have the facility or you don't have the support. You don't have, like, there's nothing like that. And it was always really frustrating where during the Chad Morse years and all that, where so many national college football experts are like, ah, Arkansas needs to leave the SEC. They, you know, they're, a, they're need yeah. to go to the big 12 or whatever, which was the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I'm like, okay, no, you're just saying that because they got a crap coach. It's not about the, it's not about the program. It's about, who they have as their coach. Bobby Petrino proved that you can win at a high level in Arkansas. Uh, Sam Pittman, again, went eight and four in the SEC with the terrible, terrible schedule. Like, you can win at this school. And now, are you going to win a national championship in football? I wouldn't bet on it. Can you win an SEC championship? I wouldn't bet on that either. But to act like that it's just a, a bottom dweller of the conference in the West was like, no, you had bottom dweller coaches. You had bottom feeder coaches. You had coaches that had no idea what they were doing. And we're completely, totally outmatched. If you get the right coach in at Arkansas, no matter what the sport is, you can win. And I think when football gets that going, with Sam Pittman especially, uh, that'll just make everybody's – all the chips kind of fall as they may with the rest of the sports on campus. How, how much of that you think it's just the national media knows how much fun it is to pick on Arkansas fan base? And they know that if they just hit that hornet's nest, they're going to get a bunch of you know Arkansas Twitter coming out. I mean, I think that's one thing – they know if they talk about Arkansas, they're going to get interactions. If they talk about Arkansas in a bad way, they're going to get their interactions. And I think sometimes it's it's the Charlie Brown kicking the football. You know, it's like here the fan, okay, he hates us, and then got us again. I really think that a lot of the national media just knows that if you talk about Arkansas, and I can't speak for any other fan base, I just know how the Arkansas fan base is. I think yeah, I think good. I think. Yeah, I think that there's part of – I think it's part of that for some. But I also think some of them are just idiots that are uneducated about, like, what Arkansas is because they sit there yeah. and they're like, oh, Arkansas had back-to-back -back years of 2 and 10. Well, they don't belong here anymore. It's like, okay, did people say that when Ole Miss had – like, like, Ole Miss has never even won an SEC West title. Exactly. And, but no one, no one says that. Or, you know, Mississippi State or Vanderbilt or, you know, any of those teams. It's like they don't say that about them. But because Arkansas had a really bad stretch, and it was really bad, especially those three years, maybe even four, people just like say, ah, well, they, you know, they don't belong. It's terrible. It's like, no, you're just an idiot because you can't understand why they're, why they're being as bad as what they are. It has nothing to do with the program. It has to do with who you have in charge. And if you need any great example of that, you know, just look back on the SEC success that Arkansas has had. Again, they've had some really bad years, but it's – to act like that they have not been a better overall program since 1992 than Ole Miss, than Mississippi State, 
than other SEC schools, than South Carolina, than all of those. It's just it's stupid. So yeah, I I think it's just dumb that people bring it up if they really believe it. If they really believe they don't belong in the SEC, then they don't need to be talking college football because that's just an asinine and absurd opinion to have. Well, and also you know, and it says if you if you say well Arkansas hasn't had success, and then you rattle off well well that's track or that's it that you you've done muted your point uh, at all when you start talking about the SEC championships and and all the other sports. But we'll get you out here on this. Uh, plug your podcast and and you have a very interesting poll going on bracket going on that that you like having fun about you know uh you said you're going to release it so talk about that where they can find it and how they can interact with it yeah so uh do the locked on razorbacks podcast you can find it wherever podcasts are found uh, as well as on youtube and uh honestly the uh the, the, the enemy of the state which is actually something i was uh, working on too and i hope we, i was supposed to have it released last night but uh, you know, putting together a kind of a better graphic for it and had to do some rearranging at the last minute. But yeah, it's the enemy of the state, the most hated thing uh, of Razorback sports. And it can be a person or it can be just an overall thing. So hopefully I'll have the bracket at least released tonight. and We'll do some voting on it to see who ends up winning it. But uh, I have an idea of who's going to win it. Uh, even though it's, you know, so it may not be as fun as what I was hoping for, but it'll still be interesting to see some of those matchups. So be on the lookout for that on social media because it'll definitely be there. And you can, Follow me on all social media, Buzz John Neighbors. Really easy to find. Hey, it gets us through until talking season starts next week. So I appreciate you, John. Thank you so much for coming on. Have a great time at SEC Media Days and hope you uh, you you get that uh, date with Paul Feinbaum on his set. Me too, man. It'll be uh, I'll be be able to wear my uh, best shirt because uh, I got a few loud ones I have planned to wear down there. So it should okay. be great. I appreciate you, John. Thank you so much. Anytime. Appreciate you. Well, that was John Neighbors, Locked on Razorbacks, and also Out of Bounds on 103.7 The Buzz. We appreciate him coming on. And that will do it for tonight's episode of the Hog Talk Podcast. Again, we will catch you next week as we get into SEC Media Days. We are not able to go in person, but we got uh, the virtual credentials to cover the uh, SEC Media Days uh, virtually. So we will be quoting you know, tweets and comments and and all the things that are going on from all the coaches next week. So stay tuned right here to the Hog Talk, along with the huge announcement of our, our staff moving forward. We're going to announce that later on tonight. So be looking forward to that. Um, looking forward to uh, having this guy on and, and talking Hog Sports with us and Razorback Sports. But we'll announce that later on in the evening. But for Porter Hayes, we will catch you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.